This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to bat, Brett Boone. I want to switch a little bit and talk about a lot of manager roulette going on right now. Uh, the, obviously, the big one, and I'm going to get to that last, was the counsel to the Cubs out of nowhere. I didn't mm-hmm. see that coming. You got Murphy to Milwaukee. Uh, Melvin, that didn't bother me. He goes down the street to San Francisco. He, he's reunited with Farhan. Uh, Mendoza to the Mets, my brother's bench coach in, in New York. That that wasn't huge, a huge surprise. Vote to Cleveland. Wash goes to the Angels, you know, from the Braves. He's been, he's been working with those infielders for years with, uh, with the Braves. A spot out of Houston. And San Diego's still about to announce it's I, I hear it's going to be their shilt or nevin um council to the cuffs i saw that happen <laughs> and my first reaction as a player is that's a bad look how it went down they've got a current manager in place and all of a sudden he gets a phone call after council agrees to the deal you as an ex-player what do you think when that, that happens I've got I've got a twofold answer, but my first reaction was that's a bad look. What was yours? I, I mean, it's when I seen it, I was I was golfing, and it, uh, the alert came, and I just said, "Uh oh," <laughs> because I mean, he's that's his that's his personal rival. Like I'm from San Diego, my personal rival is the Dodgers. Like I don't like them. That's just embedded in the San Diego kid. He's a Milwaukee kid. His personal rival is the Cubs, like, and that's blood. And then he goes and joins the forces. So, but then, but then when you look at the contract, you're like, well, I mean, that's two and a half a year over what they're talking about. That's twelve and a half million more over. I mean, it's it, I, he set he's setting precedents. You know, and you want right. to talk about that's, it's a business. That was my second point. He, yeah, he set precedent. He's making eight million. That's that's you're talking to college football coaches now. Like he set precedents. He's making more than like more than the league average right now. And again, councils of it's fantastic manager. I mean, and he's going to have right now. He's going to go. He went from uh, a really good team, really good organization, mid market, to one of the best markets in the game with you know incredible spending. So I'm excited to see what happens there. I'm excited. It's like you know, it's like 
I like to see what people have when out when they don't have resources, and then I like to see them when they do have the resources. Now you're going to see what council has when he has every resource to his to his name. You know, if the Cubs want somebody, they have the resources and the money to get it. The Brewers doesn't don't always have the resources and the money to get to get it. Same with the Orioles, they don't always have the resources and the money to get guys opposed to the Yankees who just say, you know what, do it. The Mets just do it. You know what I mean? So I, it's exciting to see what he's going to be able to do with with uh, with the big with the big pocketbook. I agree with you. It does set a precedent, and and I think managers in years to come are going to have counsel. This is a step him to thank the guy I was thinking about, and the reason I say it's a bad look is David Ross is sitting there with he's the manager of the team. He's getting ready. You know, he's probably preparing for next year, and all of a sudden it's like he got hit by a truck. You know, that's the yeah. only thing. From a looks, from an optics standpoint, I sit there and I go, oh, wow. You know? Yeah, I mean, one if you thing, really one wanted him, you fire him. Right. One thing, if he's let go early, now I, I, I completely get it. You have him, you give him the complete opportunity to seek all the open positions. I get that. But just get hit like a truck and all of a sudden, it's almost like you find out online that, that, you're, that, that council just got the biggest deal of all time and Wait a minute! I was the manager, and, and now I'm not. I don't know. I don't know. It's like a it's me. like a tweeted breakup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and Rossi's such a good dude too. I mean, he's such a baseball dude, such a baseball nut. Had a great staff. Um, they fell a little bit short this year, and I think that's maybe they wanted to go with um, with a more experienced manager. You know what I mean? Because obviously, Council's been managing, yeah. uh, you know, since 2015. But hell. Ross been managing since he came in the league as a catcher. So, you know what I mean? It's tit for tat when it comes to that because Rossi's been a manager ever since he's been in the major league. So uh, that that's, yeah, that, that right there, it, when you, I would like to know how all that really went down. Unfortunately, that, that, that sucks, especially for Rossi. Um, and hopefully he gets another, I mean, hopefully he's somewhere again, because he's so good for baseball. And obviously you can see, I mean, the, the easy Braves because he lives in that, in that, uh, in that area. And they just unloaded all their staff with Ron Washington going. So um, he has to be in the game to me. And maybe take a year off just to, you know, because that, that was a ton of bricks that hit him. So maybe get some ice and and uh, and, and rest a little bit. But he needs to be get back in the game because he's, he's good for the game. <laughs> I get some ice. He needs to get in a cryo machine. Um, <laughs> get a Z-pack. Dusty and Tito. Yeah. Yeah. Dusty and Tito. Dusty retiring. What an unbelievable career. Unbelievable guy. Uh, Tito Francona as well. Walking away. Uh, your thoughts? First off, two Hall of Famers. And um, on my podcast, the Adam Jones podcast, I had Josh Waywich, the Hall of Fame president, on a couple of weeks ago. And I asked him, does when a manager and guys like this re retire, you know, Dusty 75, 74 and um, uh, Tito, I don't know his exact age, but he's not young. Uh, is there a precedence to get those guys into the Hall of Fame earlier so that they get to actually enjoy it with their lives? You know, you're 74, you're not living to 150. You don't, you don't get like the guys who get into Hall of Fame are normally 43, 45 years old, and then they get to enjoy it for the next 30, 40 years of their lives. Is there a precedence to get these guys into the Hall of Fame so that we can celebrate them as they should be celebrated as a Hall of Famer, that their families can go to them and celebrate their plaque together? And I said the same thing about, uh, about Mr. Bochy. Um, you know, he just came back and just won the World Series after a couple year hiatus. If he was to retire, I doubt it because he probably would have already said it. Um, if he was to retire, is there a precedence to get these guys into the Hall of Fame early so that we can we can appreciate them and show our love, our gratitude 
the appreciation and, and, and everything they've meant to baseball. I mean, Dusty Baker, 43 years in baseball, uh, if not more. I mean, 48 years, I think. And then Tito, the same, a lifer. Um, so I think if, if there was a way to get them in the Hall of Fame earlier so that we can celebrate them as baseball fans, as baseball people, I think that would be terrific because they're some of the – not just best – you know, obviously uh, – Dusty was one of the best players. They're some of the best managers and best minds to ever, leaders to ever, you know, don uniforms. So I think as uh, baseball fans, we need to celebrate them and put them in Hall of Fame sooner than later would be, uh, would be something I would, I would definitely vouch for. When you started in the big leagues, uh, 2006, and, and, and it was a continuation of my generation. It was the end of my career. Um, but we were always judged on three things, unless you were a big base stealer. It's basically what you hit, how many homers you hit, mm-hmm. and how many did you drive in. And then if you were a speedster at top of the lineup, how many runs did you score? But the, the basic was how many how what you hit, how many homers you hit, how many ribbies you drive in. That was what paid you. Uh, by the end of your career, it was more op- what's your OPS. Best hitter always hit third, always hit fourth. Now all of a sudden the best hitter hits second. It's a different if it's a different era, different generation. And I'm fine with that. You know, I, I'm asked yeah. about it all the time. And I say, you know, that was my time, and that's what we did. I, I don't just Brett Boone doesn't have anything to do with the 2023 and how these players act, how they behave, what they do, uh, what's it, what, what they're graded on, how they get paid. That's their job. Um you played in both eras. That's a unique thing. You're right on the, you know, mm-hmm. I had Albert Pujols on recently. He played in both eras. He gave me his takes. Played a lot of eras. What, what do you think about that? <laughs> Adam Jones' take on the analytics. I, I, I'm always for, I was always as a player, give me as much info as possible until his knowledge is power. I was all for that. But the way you see the game going, what is your take on when you came into the game, when you left the game? Well, first off, you'll never tell me that a base hit is useless. I don't give a damn what you say. You'll tell, you can never tell me that a single is useless because it, what, it lowers your slugging percentage. A single is a hit. One of the hardest things to ever do in sports, in all of sports, hit a baseball. Hockey puck is hard and a golf ball is hard. Baseball is harder, in my opinion. Um, so you'll never, I'll, I'll never agree with them when they say, oh, a base hit, that's just a measly single. What you mean? You know how hard it is to get it through these gold glove infielders, outfielders to get a ball to drop. Um, but me, you know, I am I, I I grew up with the old school mentality of, you know, if you if you get base hits, you get on base, you score runs, that's how you win the game. Uh, now, obviously, they're graded differently. It seems like it's a little bit more individualized. Like, although it's a team game, it's individualized. Like, oh, I have to have I got to do this for myself, for the team. As opposed to just, I got to do this for the team. Like me, I always played selfless. I didn't care. I didn't care where I hit in the lineup. If it was, if I was hitting fourth and it was a man on second base with no outs, my intent, first off, is to get him in. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm in the RBI position. But at the worst case, I have to get this man over with. In today's today's world, is now nah, just try and get him in three times. No, I'm gonna try and if I'm gonna try and drive a ball to center field, to right center field, to right field, and I'm gonna, at worst case, this guy is getting over to third base. And when I see that my number five hole, whoever's hitting, he better go up to his 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 at, his at bat, looking at me as I come off the field, saying, "Okay," and I'm gonna be looking back at him, say, "Hey, get get your money right now, get your get your meat." So 
the game has changed in that in that regard. It's just it seems like it's more individualized. Like oh, no bunting. There's no bunting. You see that they, they with the rules they did for the uh, extra for the extra innings, the guy on second base. You've seen bunting atrocious. When's the last time you seen a hit and run? Um, I know velocity's up, but that tells me that the hitters aren't as good of contact guys because there's no hit and runs. And again, don't waste of strike, no waste of outs. The name of the game is to win. And if I can get this guy over, right. if I can sacrifice this guy over with two out, less than two outs, man on third base, less than two outs. That is the situation that we all dream for in baseball. Man on third base, less than two outs. Put the ball in play. Just put it in play. Oh, my goodness. Hard. I just put watched this postseason. <laughs> this postseason, how many times you see it not get done? I'm pulling my hair out at home. Yeah. It's the intent. You know, I, I, I honestly, you know, obviously we know that it's hard to get a base hit in the major league. Sure. When you're facing these studs, pitchers, who are putting the ball in great locations. We know it's we know the difficulty of it. We understand it. The intent needs to be there. If you're swinging wildly three swings, we know your intent's not there. If you're fouling balls off trying to move the ball, we know your intent's there. Even if you say you pop up to the second baseman or something like that, if your intent was there, I don't think anybody's getting mad. Now you pop up to the left fielder or something like that, somebody's going to look at you like, that was selfish. And me, I always told myself, play the game to win, no matter whatever, because if we're winning and we're playing winning baseball, I think that might may, may be me by me being on the field every single day. I'm probably going to be involved in some success. So I played selfless, not caring about if I got this one right then and there because I knew my time was going to come. And, you know, I think with the analytics side, it's like, no, be selfish for yourself. Be selfish right now. And it's like, nah, the name of the game is to win. And, you know, I think everybody's going to point to that Blake Snell, Cy Young uh, this year. Congratulations. I mean, dominant year. But the Blake Snell the game six in the World Series and in, in the COVID year. Guys shoving six innings, 74, 72, 74 pitches, and you bring him out because he's going to the third lineup again. Huh? What? And, and you know what? And here's another thing to that. I was just in Arizona, and every single day of the World Series for game three, game three, four, and five, they kept showing the uh, game six of the World Series in 21 or 01 when Randy Johnson threw a complete game three hitter. What does he do the next day? He closes the game. Yep. These guys used openers in the World Series this year in the playoffs. Like this, like I, I don't care. That that to me, like that when I seen that, I was just like, I don't know, I don't, I don't like what, I, I I don't know. And I was, you know what, I was talking with Joe Torrey in the fifth inning of that game, of Game Four, and I said, Would you ever have an opener in the World Series? Analytics or not analytics, you know, I mean, I don't know what was going on in the Diamondbacks clubhouse. You know, they're a very analytical team, and hell, it got them to the World Series. Um, and he said, hell no. He said, I've had fights with guys that wanted the ball, that on one day rest, because they want the ball. And I'm like, that's how the game should be. And that's how it always be. But you've seen it, innings limits. When you were coming up, was there something called innings limit? No? Nothing. I, played, Nothing. I had Jim Palmer as my, my, my broadcast guy. And he would tell me at 19 years old, he's, he out there through 180 innings and then played in Puerto Rico through another 80. Then, you know, like innings limit, like Strasburg had innings limit. And then, you know, like it, the game has changed. I know it's for the longevity and the better will of the player, but I go back to the old school workouts and those guys didn't get hurt. You don't see nobody running poles no more. You see guys in there roaming Greco lifting though. See, it's the, the it's the changing. We're not bodybuilders. We're baseball. We need to be elastic. 
We don't need to be muscle bound dudes. We need to be elastic players. And I think it's just, it, the game's just changed that way. It's changed for the better. Obviously we've got tremendous athletes. Um, I just think that if, if it got back to me where it's just not as much analytic and more that eye test, just bring it back a little, little bit more. I think we'll be in, in a better place, but I think baseball's in a, in, in a fantastic place. It, the revenue is there, the fan up this year, the fans are up this year. Um, I just think that it's in a good place. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I agree with you. I think I, I, I watch it in, in a lot of things I, I like about it. Some things I, I don't like, but it's still baseball. And it's still been my whole True. life and it's been entertaining. You know, I never thought I'd sit there and say, yeah, 12 teams should make it to the postseason. Cause I, I was always a guy of, listen, that 162 means something. You got to grind it out. The best of the best make it at the end. And now you're just handing it out. Well, now that I see that there's 12 teams, there's a lot more entertaining. A lot more cities are, are engaged a lot longer, a lot more parts of the country have a chance to make it to the postseason. End of the day, that makes makes it good for the game that I love because you know most cities twenty yeah. years ago in August they're they're already moving on to football. Now they got a pennant race in their city because they changed it to the twelve teams getting to the postseason. So a lot of things uh, I think are good. I think are good that I like and and I never thought I'd say that the rule changes this year. I'm thinking, no, we don't have a clock. That's what we pride ourselves on, not having a clock. Oh, what, do you, what do you mean you can only throw over twice? These these elite base stealers, they're going to take advantage of that. But what did people start doing? They started stealing bases again. That was what it was for, to encourage people mm-hmm. to steal bases. I like that. And this, this clock, after a while, I'm like, the clock really isn't a problem. And by the way, I could watch a game in two hours and 50 minutes this is kind of cool so as much as we are you know we get set in our ways the older we get as long as we keep an open mind uh you know i think we'll be pleasantly surprised sometimes no sometimes we won't but sometimes we will for me rule changes this year i was pleasantly surprised adam jones same um you know we we all looked at it like a clock like what and then we just started to be like, hey, man, you better hurry up. That clock is ticking because we're on the clock like we, we want to speed the game up. And you know what? I think the most important thing about this, about the time, uh, the time difference with the games is that fans actually stayed and watched the ninth inning more than they have in the previous 20-something years. Fans stayed because it, it's not 10.08. When it's top eight, top nine, bottom eight, it's not, you know, you don't see the 10 o'clock creep up there. It's 930, bottom nine. And you're like, well, dang, you go to the concession stands, you're going to miss a whole inning. If you go to concession stands, top and bottom now, you're going to miss it all because of time. And I I think for the game of baseball, um, for the health of players also, you know, you're not out there for, you know, eight hours a, a game. I'd like the extra inning rule. Um, I would have switched the action rule. I would have given the I would have given the team one chance in the tenth inning, like because you're still riding with momentum. I give you one chance in the eleventh. All right, let's get the runners so that we can speed it up. Um, 
And now they're trying to go from eight from 20 seconds to 18 seconds when a man on base. I don't think that'll be a problem. Guys have guys were fantastic with it this year, but you're getting more stolen bases. You're, I mean, this was the most stolen bases in, I think in like 50 years, like people were running nonstop Acuna 40, 70, uh, you, you have multiple guys with 40 stolen bases this year. You had, I think the, the record for 2020 guys and 30, 30 guys, the shift, it helped more batted balls in play. Obviously, the strikeouts are still uh, are still high. I mean, you got every other guy throwing 102 with movement, so of course strikeouts are going to be high. But I think the game is the game is this year. I think as the the, the fan who said I'm not going to watch it no more, it's gotten too political. I think that fan is back saying game's kind of interesting. It's kind of moving along, kind of nice. And when you have Cincinnati being good, Miami being good, Baltimore being good, yeah. Diamond Diamondbacks being good, like. Like you open up, like I said, when you got the dip, the markets that weren't used to being good, being good and taken away from the bigger ones, like people, the fan bases are starting to open their eyes. And, you know, you Cincinnati guy, I mean, you played there, you was a San Diego boy, but you Cincinnati guy, um, <laughs> to see Cincinnati, you know, to see their fans be excited for Ellie De La Cruz and, the, and, you know, and Steer and the prospects and the talent that they have going for the future. Like, that's what baseball is about. It's not just always L.A., New York, Chicago, and Boston. It's great when other teams are able to have success. Isn't it awesome, too, because you hear, you know, when L.A. or, or the Dodgers, who've had a huge run, the Houston Astros have had a six- or seven-year dominant run in their division. Uh, you're always talking about the Yankees and the Red Sox, who – Usually you see in the postseason and after a while, people say, oh, it's always the same teams. Then fast forward this year, we get the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks out of nowhere. And you got people going, oh, nobody's going to watch that. Well, what do you want? Do you want parity or do you want the same teams? I love the same teams. I love the fact that on a national level, uh, we got to see an Arizona Diamondbacks team. I thought that was really interesting. The Texas Rangers, they haven't been uh, in the postseason, let alone going to the World Series in a long time. We got to see that offense on display, how dominant it is. Uh, I think it's great for the game. I, I really do. Um, Same. I mean, Cattell Marte, he's been, he's been balling. He's a great player. Great player. Yeah. No one's got to see him. He plays for the Diamondbacks. They get no, they get exactly. no primetime games. We're all thinking that we're going to get – Texas, or we all think in Houston and Philly. I think that was the consensus. Without a doubt. Championship series. And then you got you got two teams that you're like, ah. And I've seen so many, oh, I'm not watching World Series. World Series is this. What do you mean you're not going to watch the World Series? It's the World Series. I, I thought Arizona was going to win. Are you kidding me? Right. I me thought too. Arizona was going to win. I thought there's no way you could pick Arizona to be here. They might as well win it. And yeah, I thought they were going to win as well. it. Ended up, and it ended up going the other way. Um Want to want to talk a little bit, and then I'll uh, I'll let you get out of here about how you finished your career. Go over to mm-hmm. Japan. You play for the Oryx Buffaloes. I've always been fascinated with this, Adam. In two thousand one, uh, that Mariner team I was on, we were gonna we were supposed to open the season in Japan. Uh, I think in the O two season, nine eleven had hit. And we had it all planned out to open the season in Japan. And I was kind of excited. That's when Ichiro had just come over. So it was Ichiro mania. And I said, I want to see what it's like when we go to Japan and how they, they had kind of taken the Mariners as their team just because Ichiro was on our team. But I was excited. Like it's going to be, because you know, as a player, it's tough when you got to open the season and it starts counting and it's on the back of your bubble gum card to take a 
20 hour flight. But for me, I was looking forward to, to going to Japan. I never got to go because it got canceled from security reasons. So we never mm -hmm. ended up going over there. You got to experience that. Just wrap it up for me in a nutshell, what those two years were like for you. Uh, the quality of baseball, obviously we're seeing more and more now great Japanese players coming over, probably the best player in the game right now. And Shoei Otani is from Japan and that league. Um, just tell me about the culture changes, what it was like for you going from the big leagues to playing in Japan, the similarities, the differences, things you like, things you didn't like. Well, first of all, I say it was one of the best experiences I've ever had in my entire life. I'll start there. Like unbelievable experience being able to take my family, live in a foreign country, uh, get paid to do it, get paid to play baseball in a foreign country. It was, I mean, we're talking about a, like a dream come true. It was phenomenal. Um, my experience is what I say is, you know, it, it was great because I went from a spoiled major leaguer. We're major leaguers. We're spoiled. Let's be honest with ourselves. You, you throw your clothes, you throw it, you chuck it at the wall. It'll fall down. Somebody will pick it up, wash it, and it'll be right back in your locker in 30 minutes. Um, over there in Japan, I had to do it all myself again. They'd wash the clothes. But I had to make sure it was on my loop or they go get it. On there. the loop. I had to, on the <laughs> loop. I had to I had to make sure that I packed my bag. It took me back, it took me back to my triple A days of humbling, of uh, you know, nobody everybody's not everybody's gonna pack your bag. Nobody nobody's gonna wait on your um beck and call. And it was great, you know, in, in that regards because it's like look at I was spoiled major league for 14 years. Like I can I can pack my own bag. I think I can, I think I can pack my own bag. But what it helped me do is pack a lot lighter. I don't need to pack all that extra stuff. Them three, four pairs of cleats and all the road cleats, the alternates. Mm -mm. It was one pair of cleat and one pair of turf. That was it. That, I wasn't packing every, uh, too much. But And also with me, it was I went over there as, as, at 34, 35. So my body, was, my body was cashing out. And so what I was unable, to me, I was unable to perform the way I wanted to. So I went into the manager's office and, and just told him, I said, I can't. I can't perform the way that I used to perform. Unfortunately, my body just told me, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we formulated a plan and the, the ownership was fantastic. I was DH and I pinch hit. But in between all that, I was like the best teammate ever. I was a hidden coach with guys. I would go help out any sort of guys that I could. Um, Yoshida was my teammate. He's with Boston. He's their left fielder. My first day seeing him, I called my friends back in the States and said, uh, we, I got a guy right now that's the Japanese Juan Soto. And the guy can hit Yamamoto, who's going to post here shortly. He yeah, was my teammate. I, he he told me so much. He wanted to go to America. And what I would do is I would talk to him about American hitters. I would be like, you need to pitch these guys how you would pitch an American hitter because you see how you can just throw three fastballs to the number eight, seven, eight, nine hitters in Japan. You do that in America, it's going to be three nothing because these guys will bridge you. So it just I became it, it switched my roles of just like the big brother to these guys. Um, there was a couple foreign guys that were over there that were just into making some money. There's the first time making, you know, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand, a million dollars. And, you know, me having a, having a successful career, I'm able to talk to them. I'm like, hey, OK, get yourself a nice car. What, what are you looking at the house? OK, let's not spend too much. So it's like the roles just changed. You know, what I mean, when I was a young pup coming up at guys like you, Edgar, Randy, Wynn teaching me the ropes of the game, life of the game. And like when I went over there, it was I was able to like put my hair down, take a deep breath and uh, be a big brother and just give back a lot of information. And, you know, I, I would always say that uh, the Japanese culture, they are some hardworking, 
SOBs, man. They are they work hard. They play hard. They play smart. I've never seen defense better. Um, like they play they they play defense unbelievable. Guy, yeah, with three hundred letters on name numbers on his back is some of the best defenders you'll ever see. They look like you out there just because the attention to detail, the focus. And, you know, I relished every moment that I had out there. I had the OG senpai interpreter, and he would just explain to me everything. I'd ask him about culture. Guy, his first guy was Don Money. Um, and I just, I would ask him so many different questions about the court, the culture, about Ichiro, about Hideo Nomo, who he had. And, yeah. you know, I just fully, I fully immersed myself in the culture. I didn't go over there saying I'm an entitled major leaguer. You all should do this for me. I went over there saying I'm a Japanese player now. and. Uh, how can I help my team win? That's cool. That's cool. It And, you know, it brings me back when you're talking about Booney. I just couldn't do it like I used to do it. My body was checking out. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? Because I remember I was, I was 32 or 33. I was coming off a big year, and I remember talking to Robbie Alomar. Robbie Alomar was kind of – he was probably four or five years my senior, and I grew up watching him, and Robbie was that guy, you know, that all us second base was chasing. He was kind of the North Star, and Robbie had a real bad year. And I'm and I, coming off a big year, and I said, Robbie, you know, I'm kind of used to Robbie Alomar. If anybody knows Robbie Alomar, he pretty much had a good year every year. Mm-hmm. And I said, Robbie, what's wrong? He's like, Booney, <clears throat> it's like I turned 35, and I got old. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, not me. I don't get old like that, you know. And uh, it was weird, Adam. I got to 35 years old, and I was old. And I, and I didn't know what to do because when we're kids running around shagging, you know, we're the first one in the cage, and we're always the young guy. And you always got that elder in the in the cage. Like, how can you just swing that hard your first, your first swing in BP? And I go, isn't that what everybody does? And then you get to that age, and you're that guy. And I remember mm-hmm. it's like I couldn't I had a tough time playing a day game after a night game. And it's like I used to make fun. of. I used to tease Barry Larkin when he was getting older, like, come on, Lark, how many ice bags? Can he? He's like, one day, Booney, you'll see. <laughs> and we all get there, you know, and, yeah. and it, it, it's just a part of life and a part of the game. The fact that you took on that role as hey, all right. Now I can't do what I can do physically. I can help a little bit, but maybe my role is 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 to really p- not parent, but parent these kids, teach them what I learned, what to do, what not to do. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, you're living in Spain now. Tell the audience, yeah. how did that come about and, and how often do you come? I heard you got a piece of land uh, over in Rancho Santa Fe here in San Diego, but yeah, tell, tell the audience, how, how does one become a member of the, the the Spain community. So I mean, it's 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 a it's a good and bad, good and sad story about about why I mean how we came to Spain. So you know, I'm in Japan, and uh, unfortunately, my mom passed um, in September of 21 while we we're in Japan. So I come back to come back to Arizona, and in 19, I bought we bought a house in Arizona, <laughs> bought it, cl- closed on it in August, uh, signed the contract in December to go to Japan. So you, this house was pretty new. Um, but I get back to Arizona and we go back to Arizona for the funeral and then go back to Japan, finish the season. And then, you know, we flying back and then we get back to Arizona and it's like, it just, someone was just weird for me. It's like, it was off. Like, you know, I'm used to like, I can go see this lady, you know, I, I, I can just go here and I, it, it was unavailable to me. I couldn't call my mom. I couldn't text my mom. So I'm like, I can't be here in Arizona if I can't do that. Like that's, you know, I'd rather go live somewhere else if I can't talk to my mom. 
So um, we were we closed on the property in, in, in Rancho Santa Fe that year about March. And we we're like, well, this can be our uh, retirement home and, you know, give us a couple of years to start building it. And, you know, let's go a couple of years. Let's go live somewhere. Let's go live somewhere else. So it was Paris, Rome and Barcelona. And we we're just looking at ourselves like, hmm, yeah, no one speaks French and Italian in America unless you're in Philly or some small pocket somewhere for, for French. So we're like, Spanish is obviously the right choice. And then we just like, you know, Barcelona. We just started looking at it. We went there previously. Uh, we went there actually on a spring break of 2021 or 20, yeah, 22. And we were just like, this city's amazing. It was, it was great. And we said, let's, let's stack up here for a couple of years. And go, and we're still here. Uh, kids are in school here. The, the travel, my wife has a travel company, Access Level uh, Luxury Travel. And Barcelona gets to every single major city over here in like an hour and a half. And, you know, Utley's in, in London right now. Um, there's other guys that are living abroad too. And it's just something that by going to Japan, it's just like, you know what? We can go anywhere in this world. You know, all we need is each other. Um, and, you know, I think the experiences for our kids are, are going to be uh, amazing. They can complain all they want now. We want this. We want America. We want this. But when they get older, they're going to realize that, you know, our parents really tried to give us every opportunity to be, to see something different, to be different, to see the world, to see a different culture, eat different foods. Like our kids, they eat different, they eat all kinds of foods because we've showed them to them early. They're not afraid of sushi. I don't know many seven and nine year olds that want to eat raw tuna. My kids will throw it down like no other. So like just giving my kids these experiences, um, and you know what? Spending this damn money that baseball is affording us. You know what I mean? I think that's the biggest thing is you can't <laughs> die. You can't die with it, man. Have some fun with it. Enjoy it. Go stay at the Four Seasons. Have a pina colada. Eat a, eat a Nusserat expensive steak and just enjoy it because, you know, we killed ourselves for, for Major League Baseball. And you know what? Enjoy it. It's easy to sit in our, in our big old houses and just you know, stay there and do that. Why not go out and 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 live a and live a, a novice life? Go out and live something different, you know, just something completely different. It's cool here in Barcelona. There's not one person out here. I can walk with my jersey. Not one person out here that'd be like Adam Jones. Not one. So it's fantastic. Very cool, man. Awesome. I appreciate you coming on. It's a lot of fun catching up. Great career. Uh, living the dream in Spain and maybe one day come back to Rancho Santa Fe, check Adam out. He's got his own podcast, the Adam Jones podcast. Uh, tell the listeners where they can listen, where, uh, what days, um, Adam Jones podcast. We drop every Thursday and, uh, you know, I've had some great guests. Our next guest next week will be the governor of Maryland. Um, it's going to be a holiday episode going into Thanksgiving be a family field episode and what we're all thankful for. But um, I've had some great guests from Griffey to, uh, to 60 minute correspondent. So Booney, I got to get, we got to reciprocate. I got to get you on mine, man. You were one of my favorite guys ever. I still tell uh, people unbelievable stories about how you helped me be a professional. And uh, you know, you, you were, you were tough as nails back then and that's how you had to be. And uh, you know, it was a business and I learned that early that, if you nice guys finish last in this game, you got to be aggressive. You got to be assertive. <laughs> and you taught me, you taught me that early. Hey, you want it, kid? Hey, give me the damn ball. <laughs> yep. Give me the damn ball. All right. Adam Jones. I appreciate it, man. There's a lot of fun for those of you listening to the boom podcast or you're tuning in on YouTube. I appreciate you tuning in and we will see you next time. 2400 sports is an odyssey company. 